family. If you're joining us online today, wherever you are uh, in Australia, indeed around the world, we're glad and grateful that you've tuned in to another broadcast or you're listening to this uh, on the radio today. I hope you're having a great morning or afternoon, wherever it's being broadcast and trust that you are doing well. Uh, at the end of the service, we're going to have a prayer time because I want to pray for um, Simon and for Rebecca who are heading overseas in, in, a, in a couple of weeks' time back to family. Um, we're going to release you temporarily. We're going to release you temporarily. We're going to call you back in Jesus' name. By faith, we're believing that this is home and where you belong, but we're going to release you with our love and prayer at the end uh, of this service this morning. Are you doing well? I might try that again. Are you doing well? That's good. That's good. That's good. Words are powerful things. They can lacerate or they can liberate. They can hurt or they can heal. They can condemn or they can comfort. Words are powerful. Words can embolden or words can evict. Words are not innocent. Words are powerful. Proverbs tells us this, how forceful, how forceful is a word that's spoken. Our worship team are on it. Our sound guys are on it. Our production team are on it. And I'm going to find it on my notes. It's here somewhere. I want to make sure I quote it right. It says, my computer's gone back to the start. <laughs> how forceful are the right words? We are there in Proverbs, no, it's in Job chapter 25, verse 8. Verse 25, part A. In Proverbs, 20, Proverbs 18, verse 21, the Bible says that words have got the power of life and death. They're either fruit or they're poison, and we get to choose what kind of words that we use. Last week, we spoke about how our words that we speak to others are incredibly powerful, but today I want to talk to you about how words affect your life. Words that you say to yourself are incredibly powerful, incredibly formative, and are astonishing. Listen to it again in the proverb chapter 23. It says, as a person thinks within their heart, as you are in the operating system of your heart and your mind and your life, that's who you truly are. Proverbs 23. 3 verse 7. Words are the clothes that we dress our thoughts in. Words are the clothes that we dress our thoughts in. Whatever is in the abundance of our heart, that's what our mouth declares. And so today I want to talk to you about the language and the conversation that you're having with yourself. Is that all right? The language that you use and the conversation that you're having with yourself. Father, in the name of Jesus, whatever's happened prior to this moment, we just want to say right now that we adopt and accept the posture of a disciple, that we have a heart that's open to be instructed by your word, that we are soft clay, that we are new garments, that we are new wineskins, that you could pour something afresh and anew into our life. We've not come to the point of rigidity. We've not come to the point of closure. But Lord, that we are open and willing and ready for you to speak to us today. 
Our prayer is that we would not leave the same, but that your word would become incarnated into our lives, that we'd live out your word and be an example and an epistle that's read by people who observe us in our day-to-day life. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, if you're taking notes, is the words that we say to our insecurities. There's not a person here today, no matter how brash or bold they may appear, that somewhere inside of them, there is a desperate weakness, a desperate insecurity. Everybody wants to be liked, irrespective of what their persona might project. Everybody wants to be accepted. That's why we need to be kind to every person we meet, because everyone is carrying a cross. I'm a, I guess if you want academically describing me, I'm a C-grade student. In school, in college, in the things I've learned in a formal context, I'm a C-grade student. So when I pick up a document like from our lawyer or something like that and I read through it, this thought, even though I'm 54 years of age, this thought still goes through my mind. You're just a C-grade student. You don't know what that means. That thought still goes through my mind even to today. How about you? But I'm just confessing my weaknesses openly here on the platform this morning. But how do I counter that word? How do I, how do I, how do I rebuff that lie that whispers into my heart? Well, I've reprogrammed a response. So as soon as that comes into my mind, this response is automatically launched. I don't even think about it now. This response automatically comes straight out of my heart. It says, you might be a C-grade student, but I will reread this document until I understand it. I will read this document with a dictionary if I have to, but I will read it until I understand it because I am more than a C-grade student. Now, what is your heart saying when insecurity enters in? Because as you think inside, that's who you truly are and that's how you truly operate. Number two, when I find myself faced with a challenge that seems bigger than I am, I realize that God is with me. And He would not have allowed me to be challenged like this if He didn't believe that I could handle it. And the third thing I say to my insecurities is, man, I'm so glad that I don't have to tackle this one on my own. Don't you know that Holy Spirit is always with you? And aren't you grateful for family? Got to think about that one. Aren't you grateful for positive Christian family to come alongside you and stand with you when you're feeling inferior and insecure? The things that we say to our insecurities are really, really powerful because this is happening in the unseen realm, in the spiritual realm, in that metaphysical realm that's not tangible, that's not obvious. You can't see what's going through somebody's head. You can't see what's happening in there, but you can see the way people respond. And the church has got to find a way to speak to itself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and build itself up. Why? Because greater is He that is in me than whatever I'm facing in the world. There's this proverb Chapter 16, verse 24. I want you to read it with me. It says, kind words. Come on, let's say it together. 
kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy to the body. If you allow yourself to be influenced constantly, barraged constantly by negativity and insecurity, reprogram it so that you speak and affirm kind, healthy, positive words over yourself. Your self-talk is determining a lot of the way in which you act. Some people here today and some people listening to this broadcast, you're feeling overwhelmed by the size of the problem. But if you take your eyes off yourself, come on, if you take your eyes off yourself, begin to see who it is that's working in your life and through your life. You see, it's bold people are not, not those that, that, that think they're greater. They just think about themselves less. They think more about what God might want to be doing in the midst of that moment. Number one, the things that we say to ourselves. Number two, to our insecurity. And number two, things that we say to criticism. How do you respond to criticism? Very well, Pastor. I love it. I know it's the breakfast of champions. Please sign me up for some more criticism. There's, there's, a, there's an insight from a book um, titled The Richest Man in the World that I, I, I want to give to you. It's, he, he, he gave us a three-part response to criticism. I've never, I read it once and I've never forgotten it. It says, have you ever stood on the bank of a, of a lake or by the seashore and looked out when the sun is low and you see, you see that a mass of silver or gold or it's like the ocean surface is covered in diamonds. You know, ever, ever seen that? Just picture that with me in your mind. You, are you there? Are you on the beach? Can you feel the water? Is there sand between your toes? Well, you haven't got a very good imagination. Come on, stand on the beach with me. Now, just imagine, this is criticism. This is what it's like. Someone takes a handful of that salty water and splashes you in the face. And the first thing you do is you're overwhelmed by the shock. That stunned me. Where did that come from? And that's what criticism's like. It catches us off guard. We're just pouring our heart out. We're just doing our best. And suddenly someone comes along and slaps us with a criticism. Who knows what I'm talking about? Okay, nobody here. That's good. It's unpleasant, but it's not incapacitating that moment. But there is a sting, right? There's the shock, but then there's the sting of the salt in the eyes, right? It's like, man, what you just said to me, that really stung. That really got me. That, that. And what do we do? We start to get turned up, right? We just, the volume goes up on the inside, right? And all that blood starts rushing to either fight or flight, and we're ready to do some business one way or the other, because there's the shock and then there's the sting, right? And that's where most people check out. If that's how you're going to be, if that's how you're going to talk to me, you can shove it up your jumper, mate. And I wish you well and I hope I never cross paths with you again. But if you're an intelligent person and if you've got an ounce of humility and a stroke of wisdom, you'll realize, someone's going to catch this today, Batter up. Someone's going to catch this today. If your heart is open and if you are big enough, there's a jewel to catch. There's a fragment of truth in every criticism. And if you've got enough humility, you can overlook the shock. You can get past the sting and you can take home the silver. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Listen to what the Scripture says. It says that the words of a friend, come with me, 
Come with me. The words of a friend who corrects you, that you should treasure those things, right? You can trust those things, yeah? We need friends like that in our life that would correct us. Here's my question to you. Who do you give the right to, to correct, adjust, challenge, or confront you? Yeah? That's good preaching, Pastor. I'm glad I came today. Someone's saying, ouch. Yeah, that's right. Guys, if you're married, you've got a God-given gift. There's someone in your life that's stepping up to the plate and giving you what you need. You just got to man up and hear up and take it on board. Get rid of your glass jaw and don't be so insecure. But look for the gold, look for the diamonds, look for the silver in every confrontation because there's something there by which you can grow if your heart has got the disposition of humility. A working definition of humility goes like this. Humility is the ability to take on board anything that anyone says. Disregard what is untrue. Treasure what is true. If you've got the capacity to handle criticism, you'll go a lot further than a person who goes, all I want to be surrounded with is people are going to fluff my ear. What does the Scripture say? It says, coming a time when people amass to themselves teachers that they want to hear because they've got itchy ears. I want to be in a place where I get confronted every now and again. And church is kind of like that. Church is kind of like that. I'm just looking for a church where everyone just loves everybody and there's never any problems. I found one. It's called heaven. We can send you there. I know people. Number three. Number three. The words that we say to our problems. Number three, the words we say to our problems. I like this response. I, I was born for this. I was born for this. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for someone who's going to take on the spirit of King David. Hey, son, younger son of mine, here's some cheeseburgers. Run, run down to the battlefield and Give some food, give some tucker to your, to your brothers and, and bring me back word of the battle and of their safety. So David goes for a stroll down there to the Valley of Elah, hands out the cheeseburgers. Now, Dad told me to come back with a word about everyone's safety. The only way I can go back to my dad and tell him everyone's safe is if someone goes out into that valley and takes the head off that thing. I'm just looking for some giant killing people in this place. That there's a problem that's faced our generation. Suicide is a problem that our generation faces. Mental trauma, dysfunction, marital destruction. They're Goliaths in our land. And who's going to stand up and say, I was born for a day like this? We're looking for people that can be transformed by the Word of God. I've got a big problem, but I've got a bigger God. And if, you've got, if you're a person with small problems, praise God, because those small potatoes are just getting you stronger. Praise God for the bears and the lions. Can I get a witness? Praise God for a bunch of older brothers you've got to stand behind sometimes and who just overlook you, right? I didn't realize God was actually working through all those nincompoops, but He was. I got shoved out there in the field. I didn't realize the strength that would come into my life. I didn't realize the size of problems that I'd be able to tackle because I was faithful in the little things. 
Man, just tending these sheep, just doing what I was doing. And all of a sudden, I find that God has equipped me and prepared me. I was born for this day. Look at your problem and say, is that all you got? Is that all you got? I loved I walked into a toilet down at Kaiba one day. He said, Yazi, is that all you got? I just love that spirit. I walked out of that toilet happy for a couple of reasons. But I walked out of that toilet happy because I love that spirit. I'm thinking, man, I want that in my heart. I want that kind of tenacity, that kind of, is there, is there a giant to take down? Is there a problem that I can tear its head off? Come on, men. Be the king and the priest in your home. Stand up and be the protector of the innocent, defender of the weak. Rise up and become the men that God called you to be. Women of power and authority and anointing, rise up and declare what God has put in your heart and in your mouth. I love this story about serving heroes. Who's ever heard this story? See, Edmund didn't conquer Everest on his first go. In fact, on the first climb, he, wasn't even, he didn't even get to climb. He was part of the climbing crew, but he never got to ascend. He never got to try to tackle the summit. But when they got back to England, this big banquet was held. And they had these guys sitting up on the platform looking all nice. And up behind them was this mural, this painted image of Everest. And it's like Ernest was sort of sitting down one end. And when it's his turn to turn, his turn to talk, he stands up and he points at Everest and says, Everest, you have defeated us, but you cannot get any bigger. And we can. And we can. I want to talk to a few failures here this morning. I want to talk to a few people who've tried and failed. If you tried and failed, don't... uh, Jonathan, you've heard me preach this. If at first you don't succeed, parachuting's not for you. But if you've tried and failed, you're just like the rest of us. Don't give up. Don't give up. Speak to your problems. Look what the Scripture says. Look what the Scripture says here in in the book of, somewhere important, Romans. Romans chapter 8. It says, it's on the screen, what then shall we, someone say we. Boy, there's power in agreement, right? There's power in agreement. When a husband and wife begin to declare the truth of what God says over their children, there's power in agreement. When elders and leaders get together and begin to declare what God's will is for the society and what it is for its community, there's power in agreement. When you get a brother or sister around about you, just begin to speak not about your problems, but start speaking to your problems. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, seriously, if God is for us, I wanted just a little bit of aggression to rise up in somebody's heart today. If just one person will take it home, I'll be happy with that. But I suspect it's a couple of people today. If God is for us, if God's on our side, if God's on our side, do you still believe that? See, somebody got this theology that that, that, that sort of like God set play on creation and then he went on a holiday. He set all the laws into the cosmos and then he just, see ya. I'll, I'll check in on you later. But that's not the God that Jesus reveals him to be. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. If, if he gave us his son so freely, won't he also give us the things that we need for the rest of our life? Can somebody say Amen.
Um, uh, for the sake of time, I'm going to move on. Is that all right? 1 John chapter 4. I think it's on the screen. 1 John chapter 4. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome. If you're going to be an overcomer, you've got to overcome something. Yeah? You've got to overcome something. And I'm not saying your problem is not little. I'm just saying the God that's in you is bigger. Greater is He that is in you than whatever's in the world. When you start putting God's Word into your heart, when you start putting God's Word into your mouth, when you start putting God's Word into your spirit, then stuff begins to happen and stuff that doesn't go the right way and you go, well, I'm just under attack. No, 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 you're on the attack. And you're encountering some resistance. When your feet hit the floor this morning, the devil went, oh no, he's awake. Do you believe that? Oh, pastor, you don't know me. No, you're right, I don't, but I do know him. And greater is he that's in you than what's in this world. Well, you don't know the things that I struggle with. No, but I know him. I know him. And he's greater than what you're faced with right now. Number four, the words that we say to our patterns. Am I preaching to someone today? Am I preaching to someone today? Things that we say to our patterns, right? You ever gone to the car park at Woolies and you go and there's no car park and what do you say? Oh, that'd be right. <laughs> That's typical, right? Who knows that's a negative response right there. That's revealing the negative programming that you've got in your heart and in your life. Put your hand on your heart, say it's time to change. Come on, come on. Work with me. Work with me, fam. Put your hand on your heart, say it's time to change. Because if you start looking at patterns and you start, all you see is the negative, you've got your eye on the wrong thing. I see a car park and I go, that's typical. That's my father looking after me. And I'm starting to affirm, which person you think is a little bit happier? Which person you think is a little bit more victorious? Which person you think is more likely to give praise to God? Look what the Scripture says. Look what the Scripture says. It says in Psalm chapter 16, it says, The Lord is my inheritance and my cup. You are the one who determines my destiny. The boundary lines that you have marked out for me fall in pleasant places. My inheritance is something beautiful. King James says it like this. says, God maintains my lot. It literally means the allotment of my life, God is maintaining that. He's looking after that. I might not have a lot, but I've got a lot. I might not have a lot yet, but I've got a lot. And the master is maintaining my lot. And if he's maintaining it, if he's set the boundary, if he's programmed the destiny for my life, guess what? It's pleasant. Some of you need to underline that in your Bible. Do you have a Bible? I like what Jonathan said. This is God's Word. I love it. That's good. I've got mine here. This is God's Word. Let's read it together. Fantastic. Hey, listen to it. My inheritance is something beautiful. He said, Pastor, but my inheritance doesn't look like that at the moment. Have hope. Have hope. The story's not ended yet. The story's not ended yet. There's going to be difficulties in this life, but the story's not ended yet. God has got some beautiful inheritance for your life and for my life. Number five, the words that we say to our past. Um, 
what you and I often find ourselves doing is saying things like, as we slap our forehead, what was I thinking? Ever done that? Ever done that? What was I thinking? And we should replace that by saying this, what am I learning? What am I learning? If we'll, if we'll move into that season of reflective living, we just don't beat ourselves up because of the mistakes that we make. We ask, what can I learn through what's just happened? What would it be an absolute tragedy if we went through life and experienced the pain that we did and we never learnt by it? I remember the story of an IBM manager. Some of you have been in management school. You might remember this little lesson. Where one of the, uh, one of the young um, um, executives created a problem and they lost as a company $20 million. So he walked into his boss's office with his head down. He said, I guess you're going to fire me. He said, son, why would I fire you after I've just spent $20 million educating you? A, I'd like to be that kind of boss. I'd like to be that kind of dad. But I want to be that kind of person who realizes that even in the things that I got wrong, I got a redeemer. I got a redeemer. He'll make it all work together for good because he loves me and he, I'm called according to his purpose. Our, my past, just like yours, doesn't need to define your future. It can influence it, but it doesn't need to define it. You say, David, why do you keep reading these verses from the Bible? Because I'm trying to convince two people in this church that the Bible's really worth reading. Listen to it again. Let's go to the next scripture. It says to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on a new man. Someone say a new man, a new woman. Put on a new person which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. There's a renewal and a renewing that God wants to do in your head and in your heart. And it's powerful. It's powerful. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but who walk according to God's Spirit. Number six, we're closing. And finally, number six, words that we say to our future. A lot of people here, a lot of people listening to this broadcast, especially those people who live in Facebook and Instagram and those kind of places, you're fearful and you're insecure because you don't know what's happening in the world. And as long as you feed and drink from that stream, the confusion, the apprehension, and the anxiety will only increase. If you make that your life source, if you make that your life source, you'll be intimidated about the future. But here's three words you can say to your future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited about it. With excitement and confidence. That Colgate ring of confidence. Yeah. When I think about my future, yeah. Hey, you might be getting old and crusty like me. But heaven is my home. Heaven is my home. This is good, but this is pale compared to the brilliance of what heaven is. When I think about my future, I'm thinking, yeah. When I think about my future, I think the word yet. Because oftentimes stuff happens in my life and I just go, man, I can't do that. But I've learned the power of that one little word, yet. If you'll add the word yet to that statement, 
you'll unlock creativity, you'll give license to hope, and you'll find yourself being empowered by God to do what your flesh and what the enemy said, you couldn't do that. I can't do that yet. And I give myself permission to try to imagine how God will work in my life to bring that about. And I say to my future, I say to my future, yes. I say to God's call, yes. I say to what God wants to do in the earth, yes and amen. Because I'm not sitting back going, I'm a bit suspicious. I'm not quite sure. When the, when the question of tomorrow is on the table, the answer is yes. I'm living on a green light. All of my traffic lights are green. All of my traffic lights are green. If it lines up with God's Word and His will and His wisdom, my light is green. Go into all the world. Well, okay. Okay. On Thursday, I'm going to Sri Lanka, so I'd appreciate you praying for me. I'd appreciate you praying for me. When he said, go, I said, yes. It's okay, I'm coming back. God got someone on the front row here looking a little nervous. I promise, Lee, I am coming back. My wife won't let me not come back. She said, I've got to come home, and I obey my wife. Just like she obeys me. Amen, that's good preaching right there. Say yes to the future. Say yes to a future with Jesus. Say yes to a future with hope. Say yes to a future with purpose. Say yes to a future with meaning. Say yes to Christ. Say yes to an eternity where Jesus is front and center and his kingdom is all that matters. Say yes. Say yes to tomorrow. There's one last scripture. Our worship team are coming. Uh, there's one last scripture that I want to, um, I want to, I want to share with you. Uh, actually, there's two. Thanks, Zach. That first one is from the book of Genesis. It's speaking about Joseph's life, who we'll preach about in a few months' time. But Joseph's life is really marked by the fact that he had a dream and that he was prepared to talk to others about it. You know what happened? Didn't go real well. <laughs> Didn't go real well. But at least he had a dream and at least he was prepared to start talking about it. It just goes to teach us this lesson. Be careful who you tell your dreams to. Be careful who you tell your dreams to. Make sure that when that thing is just embryonic, it's nurtured and it's protected and it's cared for. And after it's gotten going a bit and there's a bit of fruit on it, then you can start letting other people who might be more skeptical, let them listen to it. Because once the fire is burning hot, Shirley... You can throw a wet blanket on a raging fire and you know what happens? The blanket will catch a light. But don't let your dreams get out to people that are going to be so negative and squish and just extinguish. Put out that flame that's in your heart. One last scripture as we close. Psalm chapter 18, the words that we say to ourselves. The words that we say to ourselves, the words that are being heard on the inside of our heart. I love this. Come on, take this word away with you. By you, I can. I can. I can run through a troop. I can run through a crowd. I can run through opposition. Yeah? 
And by my God, I can leap over a wall. I can, I can get past a barricade. I can get past a hindrance. I can get past the constriction that's in my life. But how do we do it? How do we do it? It's not in isolation. It's by inviting God into. See, the flesh would just have you repeat these words, I can do. But the Bible says that apart from me, you can do nothing. That's why you need God. That's why you need God in your life, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your business, in your health, in your friendship circle. That's why we need God in our church. Because without Him, we can't do it. But with His help, someone's going to grab this today, going to take this away. Someone's going to run with this like a football today, say, it's mine, I'm not letting it go. I'm going to take this to heart. I'm going to speak to myself in a way that would please Him. I'm going to speak to myself in a way that would assure victory. I'm going to speak to myself in a way that if my thoughts were projected onto a wall, other people would be inspired. That's what I'm going to do. So take a moment, as is our custom at the end of our service, just have a look back over those five thoughts. Which one is your take-home today? Which one is it for you to take home today? So you, God speaking to you about your insecurity? about criticism and the way you handle it, about your pain or your past or your problems, you're nervous about your future. Which one is it that that was, I came to church for that one today. That's mine. Take a moment. Say, God, I'm going to go home and wrestle with you over that. I want to be transformed by your word. I don't want to change your word. I want your word to change me. And when you're ready, we'll pray. By you, God, I can run through a troop. Because of you, God, I can leap over a wall. Wow. That'd be a verse worth remembering, I reckon. That'd be a verse worth learning off by heart, I reckon. So that when the challenges come, this can answer the door. When fear comes, truth can answer the door. By my God, I can do incredible things shall we pray I want to invite Rebecca and Simon to come and join me this morning their family in a couple of weeks time they're heading back to Switzerland there's room in their luggage for one small person I'm told but only one but we release you as a family we want to pray a blessing Father's blessing over you as you move from us and from this place and this season of service at MAF where they've been working and serving, we just want to declare a blessing. Pastor Jonathan, come and stand with me. Luca, would you come and stand with me? I'd really appreciate that. I'd really appreciate that. John, would you come and just stand with me this morning? I'd appreciate you coming, John. Just stand together. Amen. Amen. And why don't you come and stand with me this morning? Yeah. George and Sarobi, would you come and stand with me this morning? I just want to pray a blessing. Pray a Father's blessing over this family. I don't feel like we're losing this couple. I feel like we're sowing them. I feel like we're just releasing them, yeah, into the new thing. Tim and Jane, you're up there. 
We've got children climbing all over our stage. I love it. It's awesome. It's awesome. Let's pray together. Father, in the wonderful name of Jesus, we thank you for these lives and the way that they have bonded to us as family. Through cultural differences, Lord, you're bigger and greater than all of that. And we just bless them, Father, as they return back to Switzerland and to family and friends and consider the new assignment, the new direction for their life. We just declare that you would speak to them, that they would hear the Word of God and that doors would open that no man could open. Doors would close, no man could close. And you'd set before them a huge open door of opportunity and favor and blessing. In Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' name, amen. Family, go in peace, go in love, go with God, He'll go with you, amen. God bless you, church. Have an awesome week. Uh, our leaders are joining for lunch, but join us for tea and coffee. There's free tea and coffee. And there's even some barista coffee and goodies out there. Go in peace. Have a great week. God bless you. You are loved and you are powerful.